success? Does it happen after you start the job on your way to accomplishment? Or does it happen way before? You're going to find out what makes a man a man in today's Dash of Grit. It's not easy, but it's gritty. Dennis Neat is next. This is a Dash of Grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. And let's get cooking. Welcome back to Dash of Grit. I'm excited to talk to you today about success. Now, Dash of Grit is all about overcoming hurdles, overcoming obstacles on the way to success. And a lot of times we talk about that as far as uh, what business decisions you've made, business accomplishments you've made when things have gone right or right. Sometimes it's deeper than that. And we're going to talk about that today with my new friend. I, I want to thank uh, Dennis for being so helpful to me in, uh, in making relationships and doing things that are so important to business where business needs to be done. He is a true connector. He puts people together. He lets them make uh, great opportunities happen. And I don't know that there's anything more important to that. He's also <laughs> the vice president of one of the largest insurance companies in, uh, in the United States, uh, being Oswald Companies. So, uh, big round of applause virtually for Dennis Neat. Welcome to Dash of Grit. Brian, thanks so much and appreciate the opportunity to, to spend some time with you and uh, appreciate the, the kind words. You've been, uh, been a terrific uh, person to spend some time with and get to know and, and look forward to doing that much more as we move forward. I appreciate that. And one of the things that it's so life-giving for me and what I do as far as sales and helping businesses grow and develop is just all the people that I get a chance to meet and involve with and uh, and uh, interact with. And and uh, I know that's the case for you too. So Dennis, thank you for everything so far. Um, Dennis, before we get started, let everyone know what I know. Let everyone know uh, you know, what success is to you right now. Talk about some success with Oswald companies, pat yourself on the back a little bit, chance for you to brag. Tell us what's going great. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. And, and, and I'm proud to work for Oswald companies and we are a hundred percent employee owned firm, about 127 years in business and about 650 employees strong. We've got multiple, uh, offices, several in Ohio, uh, one in Michigan, and, and then with the merger with RCM&D in December of 2020, we added a, a couple hundred employees in, in several locations in Baltimore and Pennsylvania and Virginia. So very excited. And the culture at Oswald is terrific because we're, we're employee-owned. And, you know, larger is certainly not always better, but, but the combined size of our operations puts us in the top five of privately-owned uh, insurance brokerage firms in the United States. So we're exceptionally proud of that. And, and the reason the reason we're that size, frankly, Brian, is because we do good work. And, and how do we do good work? Um, we work with clients to help protect their assets and manage their risks, whether that's transferring it to an insurance contract or just helping them in the risk identification process so they can contractually transfer that risk or maybe they decide to retain it. Maybe they accept it as a business risk and, and continue to move forward in their business. So people make us go. Our culture is terrific on the inside and, and, and our clients are, are uh, also. That's one of the questions that I wanted to get to before we get into some pain. Tell me if, because insurance companies are insurance companies and there's there's five that are, that are big and you're one of the top fives, but you're employee owned. What's, what's different about Oswald that 
has that culture? Is it that employee owned? And if so, why? What what makes you different? Yeah, Brian, it's, it's certainly a difference maker because we just recently had a, a shareholder meeting and every employee participate. And so they, we all get to hear the, the financial, um, you know, reports and strategies, where we're winning, where we could do better, what we need to work on. And that, that culture uh, and transparency you can find throughout our organization, it's very different. And, and it helps us. It helps us make the right decisions for our clients. Um, you know, we, we empower our employees to act like an owner because we all are owners. So if something happens and, and, and a mistake is made, which happens in any business, sure does. do the right thing. We're going to do the right thing and and keep moving, and that's just our culture and our commitment to to excellence and uh, customer service. Yeah, and so doing the right thing that takes sometimes that takes grit. It, it's easy to say it, uh, not always easy to do it when there's top lines and bottom lines and and decisions that need to be made. Uh, it, it's hard sometimes to put someone else's best interest. Uh, in front of your your bottom line. And so let's talk a little bit about how we've come to that. Let's talk about grit. Let's go into the past and, and uh, look at some things that caused you some hurdles to overcome along the way. Uh, what what shaped you as you as you've built this this business? Yeah, Brian, I think all of us are, are shaped by life experiences, good or, or bad. And um, I'm, I'm proud of my background and um, I grew up on a small family farm in uh, Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm, I'm the youngest uh, of five kids. And um, my my mom and dad uh, um, taught us the the value of of hard work and, and family, and and just commitment to to doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a as a young person. Um, and I don't think this is that uncommon, but as a young person, and I mean five, six, seven years old, starting to work all day long on the on the farm, you maybe not so much when you're that age, but you get a little bit older. Frankly, you resent it a little bit because your friends are doing different things. Mm. Um, you don't see that when you're really little because you don't know any different. Yeah. And and we just went to work. Everybody was out of the house by six in the morning, and um. We raised fruits and vegetables primarily, and, and we picked those things by hand. And and so we were outside 12 hours a day. And we never worked Sunday afternoons, um, and I was appreciative of that. My dad never really explained why we didn't, but we didn't. We didn't work Sunday afternoons. <laughs> um, but you get a little bit older, maybe 12, 13, you, you start to become more aware of what what's out there. And my friends, you see your friends and they're not working yet because they're 12 years old, 13 years old. And yet they've got pants and shoes and hats just like everybody else. And you're like, what's the, what's going on here? It's exactly right. And, and, and probably nicer pants and shoes and hats. And that's okay. Right. Again, you don't have any perspective. Nothing's good or bad except by comparison. Anyway. Hmm. So, um, I started to figure out, maybe, Maybe I was missing some things, right? And there was a time where that was hard for me. And my parents, we just, we just kept our head down. And my older siblings, we just kept working. But there was a time where I, I didn't really like it. And frankly, probably didn't appreciate what lessons I've learned or learned back then. Uh, and then I got a little bit older 
and some of my best friends came to work for us, which was great because their parents were cut from the same cloth as my mom and dad. They wanted their kids to go to work. And then all of a sudden I got to 14, 15 and my best friends um, from school started to work for, for my mom and dad. So then it got better just because, because we were working together. Sure. But that message of hard work and teamwork and commitment, you know, you, you just got up and you, you went to work. Those, those lessons are, are ingrained in, in who I am because of how I was raised. And so the things that you learn on the farm, uh, the planting of the seeds in the spring so that they will grow in the fall. That is a long, hard, arduous, uh, lengthy process. I, it, the funny joke is no one no one does planting parties, but they all have harvest festivals, right? Right. Um, so, so you, in, in the analogy here is as a young boy up until growing up, you're constantly planting seeds and sure. not seeing a whole lot of benefit on the other side, how, how, what was the biggest lesson that you learned then going to work every single day and not really getting anything from it? Right. Brian, it's a, it's a great question, but you know, it's interesting. Even today I work hard. I'm on the phone, I'm emailing, I'm, I'm having conversations, I'm meeting yeah. with people, but I can't see what I've done sometimes. Exactly. And on the farm, you can always see it, even if it's getting the field ready and planting. This the, the sprouts might have it might not germinate. You're not going to see anything for a couple of weeks, depending on the time of the year and what you're planting. But you can see what you did every single day. Yep. And and my oldest brother's 14 years older than I am, and so he went away to, to college um, when I was a youngster, really. And it's it's funny. My oldest brother is an attorney, and my dad never understood why he got tired at work. And I didn't either when I was a kid, you know, he, he got out of law school and, and he went to work for a law firm. And I remember him talking with my dad when he'd come visit and he'd talk about how he got tired some days, but it's a different type of strain and stress, very different than, than, than manual type labor. So that experience and background for me is, is helps me today I think I have a better perspective. I know I have a better perspective than than if I hadn't had that experience. And we're going to get into that a little bit. And I'm wondering if if what shaped that because so so let's go back in again. Here come these friends of yours. You were yearning for more, and you wanted more, and you saw all these other opportunities and and fancy things. These guys come on now. One, they're getting paychecks. I don't know if that's different than what your situation was. True, right? Did it, did it change? Did, did you being with your friends make it better or did you still have that longing out there and, and wanting to see there's got to be something different for me out there? Yeah, no, Brian, uh, great question. And, and it did make it different and it made it better. And, yeah. and my parents were, you know, my friends were welcomed and, and they, they were really close with my family because uh, we spent all that time together. It's funny uh, back then. And even today, Small family farms don't, they're not subject to many of the, the rules and regulations of minimum wage and, and different types of things. And and in back, this would have been in the late 80s. My friends were making $1.75 an hour with no overtime. Wow. In the 80s? Yeah. And, oh, I and didn't know that. I must not have worked hard enough in the 80s. <laughs> and so that's what they got paid. And of course, everybody was working well over 40 hours a week because it was a, was a six and a half day of work week. And I remember I said to my dad, I said, why are they getting paid? Yeah. Because they get $100 a week. 
And uh, he said, well, you have a, you have a bed to sleep in and food to eat. And, and, you know, how does that, that make the, you feel Dennis? How did that make you feel? Well, you know, at, at first it was, it was a tough lesson, right? I mean, it was, that was the reality of it. And, and Brian, I will tell you the, the small family farms in the eighties really struggled in Ohio. We had, a, we had two years of an extreme drought. We didn't have any irrigation systems. Um, Nobody ever worked harder than my parents, but we didn't, we, we completely failed financially uh, a few years because okay. the, the, the crops just simply died. We didn't have enough water. So we plant everything and we'd work just as hard as we did the year before and it wouldn't rain for a month and everything would die. And that really shaped me because I was old enough by that point in time where I said to myself, I got to do something else because I can't imagine working that hard and, and failing financially that significantly. And what I mean, Brian, everything was paid for, but if something broke, we didn't have the money to fix it. Yeah. We just didn't fix it. So if a tractor broke and we couldn't fix it ourselves, we just didn't, we couldn't fix it. We didn't have the money to go buy a replacement part. Well, what did you do? We just, got by with what we had. Yeah. So, you know, it, we, we just figure out another way. Okay. So the perseverance and the hard work, um, you know, we had all old things, right? Um, but, you know, the other one of the other life lessons from my parents, dad never, ever complained about farming. And that was his job. That's what he did. My mom either never complained about their work. Yeah. Complained about prices, maybe the weather, right? Things you couldn't control. But as far as getting up and going to work, putting his pants on and his jacket in it, or, you know, his shirt and his hat, never, ever complained about it. Let me ask you a tough question, Dennis. You said to yourself, I've got to do something else, but your dad kept doing that thing. Do right. you think he made a mistake? Do you think, it, it, why did he keep going and you knew you had to do something else? Yeah, I, I don't think he made a mistake. He loved it. And, yeah, he was passionate and, about it. Right. You know, it was his passion. So, Brian, I don't think anybody ever makes a mistake if they're following their passion. Good whether it's being a farmer or, or, you know, being a service provider, whether it's insurance or marketing or truck driver, right? Doesn't, yeah. It doesn't matter if, if, that's, if that's somebody's passion. Yeah. And he loved it. He loved the work. And he was good at it. He was really good at it. Mm -hmm. I, I look back and... and just the things you learn, you know, we used to sell things and we had carbon paper, right? And so when I was a youngster, somebody would come and, and you know, we had, we would sell crops and sometimes it was the stands that would come in the morning and they'd buy, you know, whatever, a hundred dozen sweet corn and four baskets of melons and tomatoes and peppers. Well, my dad, and I, I didn't think about it at the time, he'd have me write the ticket out and it was on carbon paper. And so you'd write it out. Well, you'd have to, you know, everything had a price and then you'd add it up and you'd give the customer the ticket. And those, those folks that came every day, Brian, they would pay my dad probably every week. Some paid that day, but most, you know, there wasn't a lot of credit, but you know, people would pay maybe weekly. Well, my mom and dad would check that ticket at night. And if it wasn't right, they would say, Hey, you, you know, you made a mistake here. And the lesson, Brian, was 
whether it was to my dad's benefit or to the customers, a mistake was a mistake. Mm-hmm. You had to make it right. So if they paid two extra dollars, that was just as bad if they paid two less. Yep. And and so so you learn math skills, right? You learn you learn people skills. Win win skills. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Brian, all without being told this is a lesson. So my parents showed me showed me the way just by what they did every day. So folks that are listening right now are learning how a, a young man becomes a man. And I, and I, and I think that that transitions well. And, and I, without, you know, you can get as deep as you want, but what was the transition? Like you decided you needed something else. You wanted to do something else, but you've got this heart of the farmer inside. You've got a farm still on. I'm not sure how that transitioned out. Can you tell me about the, the transition phase? Yeah. You know, my, my parents, again, um, my mom went to Ohio state university, but never graduated. My dad never went to college. He, mm-hmm. He, he graduated high school, uh, joined the army, and then his father died, and my dad was discharged from the army. And came back; he was an only child. Came back and ran the farm, um, with you know, kind of took care of his mom and, and ran the farm. But from the time I can remember, my mom especially said to all of us, "You're going to college. You're, you're going to go to college." Didn't care where we went. Didn't care what we studied but you're going to go to college. So I, I think, I think both of them understood that, that there, there's a lot more out there. And, and if one of us would have come back and said, Hey, we want to take over and run the family farm, that would have been fine. But I think they wanted us to do more, to see more experience more. So again, I, my oldest brother's 14 years older than I am. I mean, he, he went on to, to, to law school and, and was a practicing attorney long before I was even out of high school. So my mom and dad were very consistent and, and that, that motivation and channel, there was never an, an option. I was going to go to school and going to figure out what I was going to do. And they didn't care. They just said, you're going to go to college and you're going to figure something out. And what it about doesn't them? Mean, go ahead. What, what about them? What, 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 what were, when they did that, what future were they planning for themselves? Or were they fully and graciously saying, no, your future is more important than ours. Go. Yeah. No, Brian, it was, they were all about, you know, the, the future of the kids. And, yeah. and my one sibling had come back from, from college and he's 10 years older than I am. So he, he came back and he was, uh, was still working on the family farm and in, in the Sandusky area at the time. But, but that was his choice, not my parents, not my parents' choice. So, you know, the, the message was, hey, you got to go to school. And, and, and this speaks to this in, in the in the 80s. Again, when the farm was good enough, my parents would pay all of us a little bit of money. Um, but it got so bad in the 80s. I remember my dad said to me, I need you, but I can't pay you. So you got to go get another job. And you're still going to work on the farm when you're not working for somebody else, but you've got to go get another job because I can't afford to pay you anything. And I was the first sibling um, that was told that. And it was just out of necessity. And, and, and listen, I want, I want to be clear. My parents cared a great deal. I grew up in a great in, environment. You can tell. We didn't have, we didn't have any money, but, but they cared a great deal. And I've also realized that that's way more important. 
you know, I, I see young people, not just young people, but I, I see people, Brian, that, that are in an environment where people don't care. It doesn't matter how many things you have. If the people around you don't care about you, that's a way, way bigger hurdle to overcome. And I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed with my family and, and my upbringing and, and my friends and, and their, their families were all cut from ink cloth, right? Just, yeah. it was such a great place to grow up and have so many teachers and friends and coaches that were, that helped me um, be successful. I'm eternally grateful. Can you think of something then now that happens at Oswald Companies, either on a daily basis, maybe just once, uh, something that you would go back to your upbringing, the way you were raised on the farm, the things your parents taught you, the things that you learned, and you rely on that to solve a problem or to show grit at what you're doing at Oswald. Can you tell us some of those? I bet there's a hundred, but can you focus on a few? Yeah, Brian, you're right. I mean, business is is not always easy. Sometimes it's it's tough, and and there's you know, we're, we're in the risk business and, and sometimes things, things go wrong. You know, there's large losses or, you know, but, but I've learned, Brian, I've been in this business a, a long time. People, you know, you, you can replace a building, you can replace a car, a truck, and it's hard and it's frustrating. And it's expensive. Oh yeah. And, and those are tough things or, or something gets stolen and that's, that's invasive. But Brian, I tell you, when when the, when the rubber hits the road, and when things get really hard, is when somebody gets seriously injured or, or killed. Yeah. And those are those are, you know, uncommon. Not you. I mean, they happen, of course, but not every day, thankfully. But but when that happens, I tell you, Brian, it, it takes everything you've got to to help, to be helpful, and to be rock solid and persevere through those situations with your clients, whether they're at fault or they're not at fault. Those situations are, are as hard as it gets. And, and most importantly, you have to have the compassion to, 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 to take that walk with, with people you care about. And that's hard. And, and that, Brian, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Those are the things in, in any type of business and I'm in the risk business. You learn that with experience. There are great young people, and, and we've got several great people starting out in the business, and you're so inspired by how hardworking and some of these young professionals are. But I tell you, the school of hard knocks and, and life experiences are impossible to replicate. And, you know, that that those types of situations take everything you've got. Yeah. And, and, you know, so I, I rely on everything that I've learned and – you know, sports are really important to me. Played sports my whole life. And again, you know, you, you win and you lose. You work together as a team. But that, those lessons, they stay with you forever. What's most important to you for Oswald? Is, is it generating more people that you can serve and be thankful for and grateful with and help when they're in need? Or is it taking care of the ones that are currently there and making sure that you're on their side at all times. If you had to pick one or the other, almost an impossible question, but how do you see your level of grit affecting the growth of Oswald companies? Yeah, Brian, I, yeah, both is the right answer. I right? know that. But, it's like but, picking your favorite kid. If you force me yeah. to, I guess I'll give you a name. <laughs> right. But here's what I'll tell you. You know, I'm, 
I'm very appreciative and, and loyal to, to my clients, folks I've worked with for years. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it goes both ways. And, and the longer I work in business, the more I appreciate people because things are tough. It's, it's easy to, to have a great relationship when things are going well. But yep. things happen, right? Life is hard. Business relationships are hard. Um, and so the opportunity to continue to work with those people that sincerely appreciate the value you bring yep. is, is just terrific. And with that being said, you know, Brian, our, our opportunity with, with, with all of our employee owners is I, I get so much joy and satisfaction introducing people or bringing other people in on my team that can help people. Right. And, and then they can grow a book of business and we can be more successful as a firm. And it doesn't necessarily need to be about me. It's about it's about helping another business person or another family with their with their needs and putting them in touch with somebody on our team who's ready to help them. Yeah. And that's planting seeds, isn't it? And that goes right full circle into, into right. knowing that if you do the right things with the right people at the right times for the right reasons good will come out on the other side. Yep. Um, I'm wondering then in the future, moving forward, and we're in, in crazy times now and people are dealing with things that they've never had to deal with. They're also dealing with the same things they've always dealt with, uh, the same risks and, and things. I'm wondering what, uh, what types of grit are you going to have to show in the future for Oswald companies, for yourself, for your customers in this new world we find ourselves? What's, what's next for you and for your customers and for Oswald? Yeah. I tell you, Brian, if, if we knew what was next, we'd, we'd be, we'd That's be down your job. <laughs> I, I tell you what, what, what's amazing is, is how our company um, pivoted with COVID and with work from home, not just the work from home piece, but the risk piece. How, how do we, how do we help our clients to manage the risk? There's no playbook there. Nobody, nobody had an employee manual with how to handle that. Do we close our office? Do we leave it open? What happens if somebody gets sick? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I tell you, things were fast and furious. And, and I tell you, you earn, you earn a seat at the table with, with clients to be a trusted advisor. And, and no better compliment is that the, when they're calling you or they're talking to you or, or one of your team members in addition to their attorney their director of human resources, who's, who's somebody we would work with on a regular basis or their accounting firm to have a seat at that table. And you can't, you can't invite yourself. You've got to earn those opportunities and they take time. Just like, just like growing up on the farm, it takes a long time to get that seat at the table. But when you, when you earn that opportunity, there's nothing better. And so Brian, you know, you look at, you look at COVID or, you know, 20 years ago, you look at nine 11, Nobody can predict those things. The, the key is for us is we've got a team of professionals that are that are proactively engaged in risk management and we're ready to help. Cyber liability is huge. Never been bigger. Mm-hmm. Working from home elevated that exposure for every business because now everybody's signing on if they have a VPN or they don't. People are using Wi-Fi exponentially increase the exposure. We've got a whole cyber practice, which we've had for years, never been busier. Hmm. So, so we're, we're looking forward. One of the things we say is we see risk. So you see opportunity really important to us to be proactively looking at those things. But Brian, we can't predict the future. Nobody would have ever thought that there could have been a, 
a, a global pandemic no that way. could shut down the global economy. No, no. And if and if you would have if you would have said, let's plan, what would you do? People laugh at you. It's exactly right. Yeah, that's right. Yep. But but today, today, Brian, people are much more open to those strategic conversations, whether it's supply chain or whatever it might be. You can have those conversations. You know, lots of our clients are importing from overseas, China, Taiwan, you know, it might be Germany. It doesn't matter. Well, what what are you going to do if you've got one supplier, right? China got shut down way before we did. That's right. And all of a sudden, we've got clients that can't get parts. So they can't sell a component because China shut down. And they can't exactly go source another supplier because they can't travel because there's a global pandemic. Businesses, all of us were at a crossroads and you, you had to figure it out, put your head down, persevere, grind your way through it. Um, we'll be better. I know Oswald will be better uh, coming out of this because we've, we've implemented better utilization of technology and webinars and education and more proactive services. We'll, we'll be better coming out of this. But more importantly, most of our clients are going to be better off. Um, unfortunately, though, some some really struggled because of the type of business, you know, restaurants or retail that really got shut down. But but but, you know, overall, as a as a world, I think we're going to we're going to come through this and, and uh, recover and, and uh, keep going to work. I'm going to wrap this up with one final question that kind of pulls it all together, I hope. Um, and if it doesn't, so be it. But. Uh, Dennis, I'm, I'm thinking with all the things that you're doing in the future and all the things you've done in the past, when you look back at your upbringing and you think it was, it was hard times and it was great times, do you remember the hard times as being most influential for you? Or do you remember the great times on the other side of the hard times as most influential for you and your success? Which of those shaped you? Is it the grit or the outcome of the grit? Yeah, I think I think the hard times were probably more impactful for me because you just you learn those life lessons every every single day. And, you know, I'll bring it to a sports conversation, you know, again, playing sports for years. My dad always, no matter what. Would tell me not not right away, but in conversations after a game. Unequivocally. He would point out how I could have done better. Yes, sir. Every time, not not in a not in a mean way, not in a dis- disrespectful way. Nobody ever has a perfect day or a perfect game. You just don't. Um, and and my mom, no matter what, would tell me how proud she was of me and how great a job I did. Right. Wow. No matter what, and and you know what? Nobody always has a good game either. Right. Sure. Some sometimes you play bad. Um incredible balance from from the two of them and the reality is you're somewhere in the middle right we always can do better so you, you want to do better for yourself and for others and you learn to play for others you learn to work for others right you, it's not about you it's not about it's not about your performance when you get to a certain level it's about your team's performance did we win are we doing better are we taking care of our clients so there was incredible balance from my mom and dad and I don't think they did it on purpose, but it's just the reality of the lessons that they taught me every single day. 
Dennis, you're the kind of insurance person I want to talk to. You're kind of a man I want to talk to. Uh, your company is the kind of a business that I want to work with. Um, I know people are out there thinking the same things. If they needed to reach out to you and learn more from you or about what you do or or just talk about the farm, <laughs> how would you suggest that they do that? Right. Well, our, our, our website is oswaldcompanies.com. And my email is first initial, last name. So it's dneat, N-E-A-T-E at oswaldcompanies.com or my direct dial in the office is uh, 330-294-0261. Quick uh, commercial for Spire. That's our company. And uh, we talk about grit a lot on Dash of Grit, the hard times, the uh, overcoming challenges, accomplishing success. That's what Spire does. That's why we do this podcast. We we try to help businesses overcome the things that are in their way, the the hurdles that they see, the ceilings that they bump their heads on. Um, and we try to come alongside with marketing strategies, marketing implementation, a team approach to getting things done. And so if you're looking for help in that way, uh, we are spiread.com. I am Brian Luffelock, host here of Dash of Grid and, and director of sales at Spire. And thank you to Dennis Neat. He's the vice president of Oswald Companies. He's a friend. Uh, he's a good man. And I, I want to thank you more than anything uh, for your vulnerability and sharing the stories of life on the farm, stories of how you grew up, uh, the things that you were able to accomplish because of that. And um, it's easy, I think, sometimes, Dennis, to look, to forget about the past and just focus on the success. And, and I thank you for sharing your story because I think it's, a, it's similar to many listeners out there. Yeah, Brian, thank you. Appreciate the time today and uh, enjoyed it very much. Yeah, me too. Dennis, thank you very much for being on Dash of Grid. If you are uh, listening or watching for the first time, we do this every week and there's a whole lot uh, on our on our page that you can uh, go and meet uh, more successful business people like Dennis and others in your community. So until we do this again, um, get gritty, win the day. We'll see you next on Dash of Grid. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. 